Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. Join your hosts, Mark Zylinski, Jeremy Duval, and Rob Fanouf as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge, I'm Rob Fanouf. Tonight, we're excited to share with you some great conversations recorded at the U.S. Masters with members of the Kings of War community. First, we are joined by Ray and Mark Shields to discuss their long and storied background with wargaming. One thing that struck me during our time with them was how authentically intertwined wargaming is into their lives. Their passion for gaming is ever-present. Next, we'll meet William Jones, who is a relative newcomer to the Kings of War scene from the great state of Louisiana. William was working in the area and decided to drop in and check out the U.S. Masters, and we're really glad he did. Finally, we sit down with Aidan Rogers, the preeminent Irish Warhammer refugee from the Pacific Northwest. If you've heard the name before, it's likely due to his time on the Dimensional Cascade podcast. These four people all have varying backgrounds and perspectives on wargaming, but one thing they all share is their love for the game Kings of War. So sit back and enjoy. We just had Ray and his dad. And what's your name again? Mark. Mark. Let me just say, how yes. awesome is it to have a parent still late in the game? Like, you're older, right? You're in the, your 30s, right? 36, yeah. Yeah, and your dad is coming down to support you. Support, <laughs> I'm going to use quotation marks. Support. Yeah, we don't want to exaggerate. Yeah. Exactly. So, Ray, was this, was was your, like, dad, did he teach you? Were you, like, always gaming together as you were, like, growing up? Uh, absolutely. Um for as long as I can remember, I can remember uh, seeing him paint models, build tanks, uh, paint ancients, uh, the Macedonians, the elephants. And one of the youngest pictures I have is me as a three-year-old with a 25-millimeter elephant and paints trying to paint it. Didn't look really good, and I'm not sure I got all the paint on the model or more paint on myself and my sister. But he began right at three, starting at age five. He began bringing me to the uh, events he went to, and my job was to roll dice. Well, you and were the French admiral. I've heard. I, I was the French admiral, and if the dice were, <laughs> were, and if I had to go to bed and then the dice inevitably went bad, they would ask him, "Where's the admiral?" <laughs> uh, and sometimes, and then it transitioned. Probably about eight, I began having my own unit. So he would have his flank or his command, and I would have one unit within the command. And probably by 10, I was playing on my own. You had your own armies at that point. Yeah. yeah. So so for the past 26 years, I've had my own armies. But from 5 to 10, it began with, right. like, here's your one unit. Like, you can roll, yeah. or you can roll the dice first, and then you can have one unit. And then it... Transitions. Well, let me ask you this. What's wargaming mean to you? I mean, obviously, it's a huge part of all of our lives, but... It impact is obviously still resonates with you. You're still doing it this it, it, many years later. To me, wargaming is a it's a social time. It, it's it's fun. You get together. Uh, you get to hang out with each other. You get to talk to one another. You, you have something to bond. Like some parents and, and children bond over watching football together or watching sports of some kind, and we'll bond over discussing history and discussing the war games and the rules and, and I'll come back from a tournament and I'll call my dad on the drive home and be like dad you know I went this uh, many wins this many losses this many draws these were the good games uh, this is what I've learned but you know I had a great time hanging out with all the friends uh, seeing all these wonderful people and, and just having a great time overall and that occupies 
the telephone call as I drive back from any That's event awesome. I go to. <laughs> Mark, same question to you. You've obviously been playing wargaming for a very playing. I like the word playing. Right. Some people take it more serious. I don't. But uh, <laughs> you've done this a long time. Why do you still do it? Well, I, I, I think uh, Ray's correct. Uh, you do it for the uh, social purpose. We still have uh, gaming weekends where his uh, mother will cook up a, a lot of food. We'll have uh, 8 to 12 participants, and uh, it, it's more... Uh, we're at the point where probably uh, it's less competitive but a lot more social when we play for bragging rights and to uh, probably heap a bit of abuse on people who may not do well with the die or may do other things that uh, causes us to uh, pick on them, including ourselves. So so about twice a year, I, I still head home to Ontario, and uh, my friends from high school and, and grade school still get together, and we play games. And it can be board games, it can be miniature games, it doesn't matter. You're, you're getting together, you're playing some games, you're shooting the shit, and, and you're having a good time. And that's really what it's all about, is having... A good time. No one gets hurt. No one gets too bent out of shape, and, and you can just enjoy yourselves. I know when you're probably, uh, Mark, sharing this with Ray, you're like, this is what I love. When you saw him start to love love it too, what did that, was that just like amazing for you as a parent to have this hobby that you hope your son will want to share with you, and then you see that they actually aren't just doing it because you're kind of, try this, but they want to do it themselves. I think that uh, what you're trying to do is to say, here's the planning that goes into it. And I don't think it's a planning. You take your uh, children to it. You participate in it. And, and actually, I have three children. And uh-huh. the, the uh, younger uh, brother uh, of Ray's still plays an awful lot of games and uh, things like that. So it's a family event. So in many cases, when we went to tournaments... We went to tournaments as a family. So uh, I think it's something something that simply grows. But uh, I think realistically it was a a love of history, a love of uh, the social interaction from games, um, many aspects of it, including my brother, who actually probably got us started in the early 70s with uh, SBI games. Uh, And the old Avalon Hill games, if you can recall. Uh, I'm I'm old enough, unfortunately. (laughs) Uh Born in the 70s, but yes. I'm the oldest one here because I was born in the 50s. uh, (laughs) You win. That's right. So, uh, you know, I'm just saying we started off with that and it just continued. But, you know, in fairness, Ray has always loved history. I think it's normal to want to participate in in, uh, games as a result of that. And if you look at it, King's War is a great system and... uh, uh, it has a lot of thinking in it and, and a lot of playing, but everyone has a good time. And I've been impressed at the level of friendship that's been shown at this uh, convention. You know, it's funny. It's like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Do I love history because I got into wargaming when I was a little kid? Or what, did I get into wargaming when I was a little kid because... I loved history so much because that's my background too. That's what I went to yeah. school for is history. And I think it's interesting, you know, with historicals, but it's interesting how so many people into miniature wargaming are big, big history, history buffs, buffs, right? Mm-hmm. I'm the same way. I, lo- I love history. I mean, I didn't go to school for it. Yeah. But I mean, I took my classes wherever I could, social sciences and war. I, any classes about conflict, I don't know why. I guess I'm an aggressive person, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I uh, enjoyed it, right? But but, but it, it's more than that. And it's like, 
I would actually almost say is, is it a chicken or egg? Do we enjoy this? Because then we have something to learn about or do we enjoy it? I would argue we enjoy it more at this point for the social aspect. Absolutely. Know, to just get together and have fun. Yeah, it's funny because we were talking about on the way back from barbecue that, you know, uh, I wasn't even doing tournaments until maybe 10 years ago. And one day I just snapped and said, I'm painting all these armies. And I, and I would get together with friends and we'd play games. But I'm like, what is this other piece that I'm not connecting with? Who, who? And so... I made a decision. I was in Memphis, Tennessee, and I said, "There's a there's an event. Um, I've heard this guy on the called Bro Hammer was a podcast. Eric Lindley in North Carolina. I'm like that's like twenty hours, sixteen hours for me. I'm like, why can't I just go there and meet him and play in this tournament? And I did. I just paid registration and I took got myself in a car and I drove sixteen hours. And now, however many years later, I'm like, this is I couldn't could not imagine not be doing this." Four, five, six times a year because it's such a. I mean, my best friends are at these events. They don't live in Memphis. They are at these events. No, I I, I think that's absolutely correct. And we drove many years down to uh, Pennsylvania to uh, HMGS. That's from Ontario. So that's about eleven hour drive. Absolutely. So that's a long drive. And uh, there's uh, gaming conventions in Ontario, Canada. And in fact, uh, at the end of March, I have. Uh, uh, hot lead that I go with my youngest son, and if I didn't go with him, he would be extremely disappointed because we go every year, mm-hmm. and it's a, a lot of fun, and we've got quite the routine. Absolutely. So it, it's we talked about it's the social thing, right? The social thing, but also there's a hobby piece to it, right? I'm, I'm a creative person. I like to paint. Yeah. Dre, you like you're to doing pa- some great jobs. Oh, with thank, your you. Halflings, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. But so I, that's like for me. That there's obviously three pieces. Don't game. you like how he has it displayed? So for I'll give you this great radio. Uh, radio when you mm-hmm. like point at something and like the people are listening. Sure. So I'll, I'll set a picture for you. Rob is in front of the microphone recording, and next to him is an open table war display case with all his models. It's arrogance. So it's like right? you want to come be on See my me. show. See, <laughs> you, you have to admire you, my models. You have to look at all my models. That's right. Well, I, I think part of it is there's a pageantry, right? That yeah. we're in sort of it. You are you go to an event, this event or HMGS or any event, you're gonna. But even on the drive home, uh, sorry, the drive that uh, Jeff Swan was kind enough to give us from the airport uh, to the hotel this weekend, he talked about his models and he talked about how they were wrecked by uh, in air transport. Oh yeah, Southwest. And mm-hmm. the comment was is is essentially the works of art. At the end of the day, these armies. They're works of art, and, and we put the time and effort into the hobby to paint them, and, and some of them, some of them, much like yours, are are, are outstanding. Um, Jeremy's I got to see finally in person mm-hmm. after seeing them on After Dark, and, and the pictures don't do justice to how great his Basilian army is looking and all the effort that he's put in to, Absolutely. to make them the uh, Aloha'i. In fairness, the only compliment I'll probably give is yours are better painted than mine, and I'm <laughs> envious now. <laughs> I mean, maybe you could speak to the hobby. You probably wouldn't describe yourself as the ultimate hobbyist. No, I, I'd probably put myself as competitive more than hobbyist, but it it's nice because when I go down and paint, and, and if I can paint for half an hour or an hour, it, it's still something that I have and, and can show for at the end of the evening. Uh, so I've done something. Whereas if I play a computer game and I play a computer game for an hour, I don't really have anything I can show to anyone. So it, it's been fun working on this latest army. I'm going to begin working on the next one after Masters, after I buy Clash of Kings 2019, mm-hmm. and uh, figure out what I'm going to do. But it, it, every time you work on the hobby, you have a result. 
So for somebody who's driven by results, uh, painting is one of those things where you can get better and, and, and you can make your models a little bit better each time. Or you can get them painted quicker if you don't want to necessarily get better. Um, and yeah. both skills are important. Me personally, I'll paint like one army that I'm going to dot really head into heels, head over heels into, take a long time. Yeah. And then I want a break and I want a quick, fast, you know, maybe just a wash and a dip or whatever. And it's it, both things scratch different itches for me, both creative outlets. Yeah. But either way, you have something done. You, you have something tangible, right? Yeah. A computer game, I'm playing hours and hours and hours and I have a a fleeting model or some random electronic glove in my, yeah. you know what I mean? It's it's not like a tangible thing. Like that's what all through when I stopped miniature gaming and I went through um, <laughs> high school and grad school, that's what like, you know, you get sucked into the world of Warcraft vortex, right? Right. Where you spend all these hours, all these hours and you, you get a lot, but it's not anything that like exists. So it's not something that you can you have on your shelf or that you put an effort to it or something that you've created. And I really think that, you know, there's a reason why people, uh, doctors prescribe art therapy or why uh, monks meditate by doing art. You know, there I think there is something really, uh, uh, even if you're not a religious person, there's something very spiritual about being creative that you just don't get from video games, but that you get from, like, Sitting well, down it's, your, it's a creation a thing, right? You're, you're, you are, you know, whether it's 40k or fantasy. You, <laughs> this is my vision of what this army or this unit or this tank is going to look like. And you could do a number of ways. You could, I'm going to try to make it look realistic. I'm going to copy the books, you know, whatever, or yeah. the footage, or I'm going to just make a pink rhino. You know, I, I've seen it, and with some flowers on it, that's fine too. Absolutely. Whatever it is, it's your your stuff. And you have something that you can show, and you can, and when you come to these tournaments, very few people. You have to be a real not nice person. I was going to say a real dink, but yeah, a, a real bum to to comment negatively about somebody's painting. Because most of the time, they'll see uh, your models and they'll be like, "Wow, you did a good job on this." Because because you always point out what they did well, and, and you always take that and, and you appreciate. Like uh, on the uh, matchup cast, Jeremy talked about how my models were all based for northern. Uh, feel with the rats and I and I appreciate that he noticed that during the last game in November so that that meant a lot to me have you seen his army I need to look at it again yeah, I, I saw is it, is it the same army you had at TNT last year or different similar similar because that was fantastic because it's it, it, it's uh ratkin but instead of the the usual like steam I'm in a tunnel or I'm in a tunnel <laughs> right they're like alpine rats oh. so he's got this cool like snow alpine and it's so it's unique a different and cool like and that's it. what when i play against someone i like to pick something out of their army that i really like because i we, rob and i were talking to us this hobby in this community is bre about bringing all of us up and not bringing anyone down mm -hmm. so i think everyone's in their mo whether there's a great painter or a bad painter there's something in their army that's really cool and that's like what i want to comment on when i'm looking at their army and it felt great when you commented on it that you remembered and that you could point it out so uh, yeah I, I think that's one of the other goals is whether it's a pink rhino with an amazing flower stencil over top. It, it's something that you can say, wow, you did a really good job on that and talk about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's one of the great aspects of the hobby. Well, in fact, that's absolutely correct. It's the artistic uh, impression of that. And uh, uh, art takes many form and uh, what people do in their interpretation of it, uh, they're free to do it. And again, it's a big enough hobby where all ranges are acceptable. Having come here with Ray, Mark, do you think you would come again to a big event with him? Have you had a good time? 
Oh, I, obviously, I had a good time. Yeah. I, in fairness, I always have a good time with my son. So yeah. Absolutely. Oh, what a what a dad! I That's a great I have, answer. Like, a tear. You know, we all need dads like we that. Do. But, uh, well, Ray, you're very lucky. You know that. Yeah. yeah. No, actually, I'm the lucky one. Uh, I've got three. Oh, good, three good. Double down on a good uh, dad. Three good children and, and a wonderful spouse. So, in fairness, yeah, but. We we always have a good fun and and uh, I've been teasing Ray and said you know maybe I should bring a French army or something like that because that's probably something that would appeal to me. A it would be probably fairly simple for me to to uh, follow and it would appeal more to my historical likes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and, and again that's the benefit of Kings of War. You've got have, a wide avenue. Did you get a chance to see John's army, John Green, who has the Spartan army? Yes. That he's running as Romans. He was slightly disappointed that he was running it as it's Romans. Sacrilege. And not it's sacrilege, I tell you. Because uh, I guess like this won't be released until after. But yeah. he was like, I, I, I said to my dad, I was like, who do you want to vote for for player's choice this morning? He's like, I really like that Spartan army. I'm like, he's running it as Romans. And he's like, I can't vote for that. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, the, the funny part was that uh, what he does with his army, he does have the... Uh, uh, leaders, they they the crest is uh, horizontal as opposed to vertical, which is what the historical records indicate. Are, yeah. So I, I like the fact that uh, he he did a number of things. Now he's got the tribute to the three hundred as well. Right. But, you know, yeah. Well, that's that's the way it is. Yeah. But it's yeah. art, and, and, and so that was going to get the player's choice, but oh, it, no. it, it didn't. So so this will come out after and. and he definitely appreciated the Spartan yeah. Army. It's well painted. It's yeah, well it's executed. Yeah. And um, it's versatile because I've seen it played as a number of different armies. Hey, Varinger, I, think, I think it's like Spartan, he gets in the, Roman. He gets in the, Delor- the DeLorean and Doc Brown is like, <laughs> Marty, we're going to the ancient Mediterranean. And then John Green would just pick like, yeah, And we've, we've, <laughs> we've often commented about like fantasy armies where today this Robert Brandon spider armies and abyssal dwarves and tomorrow it's abyssals. Yeah. So there's no difference, right? It's a model range. And maybe that's something we're pulling from the historical range anyways, because historical armies rule set agnostic, right? You, you just have a, you just have this Roman army. You can play whatever game you want with it. It's Romans, whatever your interest uh, takes you. And I think that's the uh, good aspect of it. And uh, they accommodate it. And, and uh, I think that's great. And in fact, I'm rather, uh, laughing about it because when I first became involved with figures back in 77, uh, the rule set that I used was English as well, but it was the War Games uh, Research Group, uh, WRG, which you may or may not remember. I've heard of them, yes. Yeah. Uh, now DBA and DBM, mm-hmm, but yep. uh, and certainly uh, with the fantasy element of Kings of War, it just means that you have a better chance to expand the interest. Yeah, and I will say Mantic, we've always given them a lot of praise, but I mean, they don't have to make a historical supplement, right? But but it's great when they do, and uh, we appreciate all the yeah. work that they did on that. And, uh, it, and now it, they it, know who they need to bring in. That's right. Mr. When they, when for, they, for version two right, of the historical. They need to have rules. Ray Shields help. Uh-huh. And Mark. Yeah, I, I'm sure between the two of us, and, and we can get Shannon to come up, and, mm-hmm. and we could... We can Maybe you could even get Larry Essek. Uh, yes. And it'll just will be French and Mongols. French and Mongols. Every, <laughs> they'll, con- they'll conquer everyone. Everyone else. <laughs> the French and Mongols will rule the world. <laughs> oh. Well, I, I certainly did like the Mongol army with the uh, riding the wolves, and I thought that was a, a pretty unique interpretation. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, So it, it, was, it was a good, good gaming element there. 
So thanks a lot for having us on. Yeah, this thanks for coming. Yeah, I appreciate on. you taking the time to stop yeah. in and chat with us. So that we like uh, reminiscing with people. Yeah, and I get to talk to Ray all the time. I know on, on after dark, I'm, so I'm lucky. I don't go on as much as you, uh-huh. but uh, yeah, I need to. Well, get I'm on. there, and sometimes they joke because I got to go get a burrito and then come back. So right? I, they make fun of you yeah. too. Yeah, basically, because they say I'm old and I got to go to bed. But you know what I do, Rob? What do I do when I come back? I put my headphones on, but I don't tell them I'm back oh. yet. I got to hear all of the SHIT that they're talking. <laughs> and the truth like, comes out. I, yeah. <laughs> See, now you'll never know. Am I there or am I not there? So oh, man, I'm going to have to think about that yeah. now. It's more the truth will set you free. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Thanks, well, thanks guys. Thanks, Thank it. you. All right, this is Sunday, day two. We're in between game five and six. I'm with... William Jones. William Jones. William, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Well, I have been gaming since I was about 13, which was almost half a century ago, so it's been a long time. Yeah. Um, Went through uh, the usual airfix for people at at that time, um, Civil War and World War II. Um, Got into Ancients for decades. Uh, sort of lost interest with uh, Ancients and Ancients tournaments. Right. Um, saw this set of rules. I thought it was beautifully tailored for tournaments. Absolutely. Um, I've gotten old enough. I'm loud and proud about enjoying fantasy. Yeah. Um, and so I, I got interested in it, found a couple of players where I live. Go ahead and give some names. You know, what's, do you have a club? Um, it, we don't. Um, we don't really have a club. Um, <clears throat> but uh, there's too few of us. Um, and, that's down, and that's down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana? This is in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Right. Daniel Hopkins. There was another Dan. I forget his last name at right. the time. Anyway, they introduced me to a game, and uh, our first game out was Orcs against uh, and we're, yeah. Kingdoms of Dust, and we ended up with two individual players i mean pieces yeah, two individual game. models that was mm. left that that's was awesome was left. that's yes. kings of war though right kings that of war is a, kings of war it's a tr- it's a peace treating game and you end up trading 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 and sometimes you don't left with anything that's what yeah his piece had more points so he won exactly <laughs> so what do you like about kings of war you talked about that it's a simpler clearer rule set what i like about it uh right off the top the biggest uh the the clarity the right. simplicity multi-basing right and after that would come fantasy yeah that's what i like about it yeah it's interesting because one of the things we always try to do is obviously the game is written to do all those things you just said it's also was trying to fill the gap that warhammer left when we lost eighth edition uh but one of the things i'm finding now is that we are trying to throw uh olive branches over to the, the the old hammer player, not the eighth edition guys, but the guys that used to play old hammer, you know, Warhammer back long ago. Any of those big mass rank games, because this is like a great rule set for those old collections that you already have. I agree. Um, I never, I had collected some minis, uh, but I have never, I never played old hammer. Right. I've only played like two games right. that were games yeah. workshop games. Right. Um, I've seen a lot of the discussion there. You're not going to get all of them. Some of them have to change their own mind. But they should give it a try. If you haven't given mm-hmm. a try, you're speaking in ignorance. Yeah, and, and I think this is a unique game that it takes a couple times to, tr- to try. Because when you try it one time, speaking from a Warhammer player, you're going to see the similarities. That this is, There's some certain things that are like Warhammer 8th Edition. 
third, fourth game, you're going to realize it's actually more different than the same. Yes, we use D6s. Yes, we have ranks and flanks. Um, yes, we have some of the same fantasy tropes that are in Warhammer. But, like, the fact that things are unit-based, the way there's really um, the morale check is completely different. You know, instead of leadership tests versus the way we do nerve checks is, is really different uh, in, in Kings of War. There's a lot of things like that that, you know, there's no fear. There's no psychology in this game. That's so. something that, that I find very different. You know, you lost a unit, a leader falls in the right. front lines, there's no morale check. Right. You know, yeah. that by itself doesn't do anything. So, yes, um, I had to ditch some old habits and still have some knee-jerk. I mean, yeah. if you play the same game for decades, you know, that's sort of that's sort of there. But um, I think that the system that, that Kings of War has captures the essentials, all of that. It captures mm-hmm. all of it in a more streamlined manner. So I see that the games are faster and it's easier to learn. It's a beautiful game system. Yeah, it's, uh, well, you said it better than I can. I mean, it's, it's a system that's designed to be easy to learn. There's a lot of nuance there and it's difficult to master. Um, they've got 21 plus armies. I mean, there's tons of armies. They've got all their own mantic versions of their fantasy trope, whether it's orcs or dwarves. And they've got they've sent out like a little bridge to Warhammer to say, hey, look, you got a Bretonian army, you have a, 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 a Skaven army. Please bring that over too. And and they have a historical supplement with 30 more armies. Right. I am. I have a few friends in historicals. I'm gonna try to persuade. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tricky thing because we we just had this conversation with Ronnie Renton from Mantic Games oh, okay. about a half an hour ago and it's something we we know we've learned the historical game is based on kings of war it is not it's not going to scratch that really deep historical correct itch that some people want you know so uh you know some people like you know uh, the dda players for example they're probably they may not like it's it's going to give you a cinematic flair of it feels like a historical game it, it looks like a historical game but you know maybe the uh Maybe the Romans, you know, you know what I mean. Does that make sense? I'm saying there's not as much it, specificity in the in the actual. It's it, not a simulation. It makes sense, but I don't think it's anything in, that needs to be apologized. Oh, for. agreed. Because if you can accept wraparounds with a line of elephants in a historical game, right? I haven't seen anything in Kings of War that's that right. bizarre, right? You know, so um, we really got out on the ends of some branches with historical rule systems. Mm-hmm. What rule sets were you using? Um, these were WRG. Okay, yeah, WRG. Um, yeah. D- d- different WRG iterations. Right. Um, you know, I, I played 7th and right. enjoyed that. Um, DBA, DBM system uh, left me cold. You know, right. I tried it, didn't like it. Yeah. Um, I did enjoy uh, Fields of Glory very much. Uh, it, finally, there was a system that, that uh, made uh, some armies that were historically terrifying right made them viable because they'd been nothing under the earlier systems that rule system got tinkered with and kibitzed to death I think right. it's pretty much gone and the uh, new one uh, L'Art de Guerre I think um, I looked at it it had enough carryover from some other systems I didn't try it and then Kings of War came out and that I decided that's what I want. Yeah. This system here. Yeah. It's a transferable system too. You know, we said we had historicals. There, Ronnie mentioned they're actually talking about uh, uh, not them, but I think they're working with somebody to do us American Civil War, Kings of War game based on the same rule set. We'll see. I mean, essentially, the rule set could probably work for anything that's got black powder, right? Uh, I don't think it for ancients and stuff is. I mean, I guess it could. Well, it does. Um, 
I, I think it would work very good at small unit yeah. levels and very large. I think the middle ground is where black power is, is yeah. won't work. So this is my two cents. Let's talk about the armies that you do play. All right. What armies do you play? Uh, I have been running orcs. I'm not doing that well with them. Orcs um, are a difficult army to play in general. I well, think. and this is coming from a couple of decades of running Scythians, which are light horse archers. So, yes, the whiplash is incredible. Um, I am moving towards goblins, mm-hmm. and uh, I am I am moving towards elves under Kings of War. Right. And so I've got work going on on those two armies. Right Do you have now. a model range existing that you're using? Or? I am using, uh, for elves, I'm using Mantic Elves. Right. I'm one of the people who thinks the Mantic Elves They're are fine. nailed it. Yeah. They are good. Uh, it's like art. Some people like it, some people aren't. It's totally fine if you don't like it. I mean, uh, uh, some people say, you know, the, they're very, very, um, like, they don't even look like they have organs. They're so thin, and, and, and that's fine if, if you don't like the, that aesthetic. But there's a lot of, there's, but, oh, that's what, but that's more of a Tolkien, right, thing. Very tall and slender and very, you know. Elves aren't human. Exactly. We, we get the words eldritch and fey right. from elves. They should be disturbing. They should be different. They right. should be recognizably. Right. This these people aren't humans. Right. So I love the line. Yeah. I love. Well, the line. I, I, it's fantastic to hear because I mean, a lot of times we don't hear that, right? We hear the opposite. Well, because it technically it was their first model release, so it is older. And as like any company builds more and more ranges, more and more sculpts, they get better. I mean, the stuff they're putting out now, artistically and just. Just from a technical ability, you know, the resin casts that are pulling out now are really, really great. Uh, they're beautiful. I got the uh, Crudron Slash. Unbelievable uh, model. Yes. That, fantastic. That was my favorite model of the last few years. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. So how is the elves coming along? Um, I was trying desperately to get it done in time for um, the uh, the Chicago. Uh, Adepticon? Yes. And Are you going to Adepticon? They're, they're filled. Yeah, but still so, come play. Well, there's other there's other events. There's Vanguard, which is the small scale. Uh, it's like, um, as Ronnie would say, black ops fantasy. So it's and I love that. Yeah. That that this that that Mantic has made a continuum. Right. From squad level to uh, massive armies right. is beautiful. Yeah, and it goes all the way back. I mean, you can go farther. You can go to Dungeon uh, Dungeon Saga, which is the you know the Warhammer Quest. Dungeon crawl game, which uses the same scale models. Yes, yes, and that's beautiful. I don't see it taking off yet. It's been discussed here and there, but this, when it catches fire, the ability to do narrative gaming, running that span of scales, this is new. This yeah. is theirs. That belongs to Mantic. Yeah, it's uh, they've got their own spin on mass combat, all the way down to. Skirmish level, and it's uh, it all connects, which which makes it easy. You get someone that wants to play orcs, they can build a small vanguard force. They build those orcs, they enjoy those orcs, they learn how orcs culturally, the background story, all that, and then they can then go, okay, I'm gonna turn that into a few units, and then a few units become a four or five units, and then it becomes an addiction, like yes, everything else. Right? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, and an introduction for new people. 
apps. Well, I, I think that was specifically their uh, intent. Yeah, I, I absolutely believe yeah. that was their intent. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're I think one of the stumbling blocks that I'm having is it, it's mechanically a little different than Kings of War, where you're using the D8s versus the D6s. So that's something I'm still struggling with because I'm not smart enough to, to do that. But but I'll get there eventually. Yeah. It, it, it just you just need more games. We just, all need more. You games. just need more games. That's right. So uh, you, it sounds like you're interested in events. Have you been to any events for Kings of War besides? Um, I stuck my head in. I was working a contract in uh, in Dallas at that time, so I stuck my head in at Lone Wolf yeah. last time. Yeah. But it, you know, the time I was able to make it, it was really intense. Mm-hmm. People were really had their heads down. So I looked around, looked at the beautiful armies, and, and yeah. left. This has been the first time I've been able to look around, talk to people, now, and, and you're just in town closely. for a job, or I'm working a contract in Houston this time. And you just so said, oh, and you just heard that we were going to be here, and I wanted to see this level of play. Yeah. I wanted to see this level of play, and there uh, are, are several things that really strike me. The cordiality, <laughs> even on very obviously tense and close games. Yeah. People are polite. Um, I don't see rule books out. Very no, and we were just talking about that not too long ago. I think you said it before, it's a clean rule set. There's not a lot of rules questions. What you get are two things. You, you might get something that's very marginal that you would never hardly ever see a situation and then you have to kind of look in the rule book and see and get your answer. The other thing is a lot of them are just simple things like I would like you to tell me is this a rear or a flank, uh, a rear or a front charge because it's very close. It's right along that corner edge and 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 and, and I don't want to be the one to say that it's in my favor or not. So they get I'll a, they, confirm that. I've seen that. I've heard that several times right. this morning. That's probably 90% uh, of any time you have to go and someone's going to the table is to to do that. Yeah. Um, so it you said something though, you know, there's a there's a a friendliness and at, in this atmosphere uh, playing Warhammer um, you didn't always see this where you're, you're here with 64 of the best players in the country they're here to to crown a champion right you would think it's I mean it is very competitive the lists are very strong the players are very strong but there, but we have not lost a sense of uh, relationships with our that at the end of the day it's a relationship with the person from you and um, there's some uh, there's some empathy for your opponent as they do well or you know as they do poorly and like you don't see people like there's no uh, I don't know there's no anger there's no there's no uh, I don't know how to, that, tr- well and 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 a a rule set sort of develops its own culture over right. time and I think it helps to have rules that are clear. You know, yeah, there isn't the room for debate. There isn't, and, and you know, where someone feels they're in the right and they've been overridden, right. and they right. might even be right. You know, but but the thing is, the ambiguities absolutely lead to animosities, and I think also that that um, this game is benefiting from kind of starting with a new page. So Correct. I think that's very important to preserve that um, going forward. And, and the rules help. Absolutely. And I think the one thing that we've, we've talked about lots is that uh, we call it, this is not a gotcha game. So Warhammer and other game systems, it's designed is to build the very best list you can. And in some, in some regards, that's a list that's supposed to trick your opponent. They should not see this little hammer that's coming from the back. And hey, there is everything. It's like we're, we're, there's no magic here. Everything you see, I know. Look at your army. I know everything you do. There's nothing hidden. We're not hiding anything. There are no weird interactions between armies. There's no gotcha moments. Like oh yes, you, you are intending to do this, but you can't because of this, this, and this. That doesn't happen in Kings of War. It's like it's 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 
it's not the rules aren't don't they, they don't set that up. I'm just starting to appreciate that. I'm just starting right. to see that because I'll, I'll I'll be honest. I was amazed at how much full disclosure you have in this game yes. on list. So and so will be playing so and so with this list against that list, and the right. breakdown of how those synergies would work. And it's like. I've never seen this before. No, it's weird. Yeah. It's weird. And, like, you'll see, you'll watch a game, table, uh, I was watching uh, a game. Uh, it was probably like table four. So they're way up in the rankings here. And this is the fifth round. And it was Brindley Smith and Shannon Shoemaker, two goblin players. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, Brindley had a unit of knights, I think. And Shannon had a, uh, a giant. And he said Brindley was going to get charged by the giant. And Brindley said to Shannon, hey, by the way, do not forget, they have a Pathfinder. So if that would affect your decision in terms of charging, because obviously in this game you could potentially just move up into the woods uh, and then and then take the charge, no, thinking that they would be hindered because they wouldn't have Pathfinder. He was, he was going out of his way to tell his opponent, I have Pathfinder. Uh, please keep that in mind when you're making your decision, because I want to win a clean game where you have all the information in front of you. I don't, I don't want you to be feel like you were cheated or you forgot something, and that's why I won the game, which is a different... Uh, I mean, I've played a few games, and, th and that's a different kind of decorum that uh, you don't always see on the table. That that would be new to me at this level. Right. You know, friendly game? Sure. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that's, sure. you know, I'm sure in a big room like that, there's probably, that's probably the shining example, yeah. and I, I would like to think that's the shining example in the, at every table, but, you know, it's human nature. As we grow, right, we, we uh, but I think as long as we continue to comment on the fact that that's a positive trait, and we reinforce and incentivize that that's the kind of play we want on the table, that's what we reward, is that kind of play. We don't reward, it's not cheating, it's just, look, it's in your best interest to just put all, all your cards on the table and be, you know, mindful of your opponent. Give them a good game. If, if a system get drifts to a suspicious, rancorous, right. I must win sort of game, right. it's not a game anymore. Right. And it's not fun anymore. Right. So I love what I'm saying. So well, that's good. I, I it's good to... because obviously you you've had less less interaction. What are you class? What are you clapping for, Ashley? I kill one unit. Well, you you kill one unit. That's fantastic. Which is up to you right now. He just overkilled my siege breakers and then rolled double ones. After I was like, I'm gonna need to just rely on a double. You have no luck at all, bro. No luck at all, Mark. I said it, and now and now I feel like. Oh, that's that's a classic example, yes. right? They run in. She. They hit, they hit Siege Breakers, does a bunch of wounds, should pop them statistically, but the Snake Eyes is a thing. Yes. And, and, and that's another integral portion of this game is it is still a dice game. We still roll dice. Uh, we still have wacky... There, are, there may be less wacky things than, like, say, Warhammer, but there's still that possibility. You can roll Snake Eyes, and it, and it, and it, it changes the dynamic of the game significantly. One roll can really change it. There should be no sure things. Right. Because if you are, then one's just playing the computer. Yeah. <laughs> or just... Uh, or why play the game? Play chess. Play chess. Yeah. Exactly. So what do you think about the model range? You talked about elves. What other armies are you building? Oh, um, well, I, I am still continuing with the orcs, and I think that uh, Mantic makes uh, the best orcs on the market for, right. for, for volume purchases. You know, sure, there's some character pieces here and there that I like better, but they're like 10 bucks a pot. Right. Filling out a unit, they're hands down the best. Um, I, uh, 
so I'm, I'm going with a lot of those. Goblins, unfortunately, I'm going uh, um, with a different range, but it's one I wanted for decades. Right. It's back in production, so I'm going to get them. I, that's, yeah. Well, that's one of the things about a figure agnostic system. Yes. And, you know, you can use whatever you got. Yes. And, and uh, I think Mantic's hope, or I, at least my, my philosophy is, I build an ogre army out of Mantic, and then I'll do something different. Right. And then I build another Mantic army, and then I'll build something different. And so I feel like I'm giving back to Mantic because I am buying half my armies from Mantic, but I don't feel like I'm like uh, impugned creatively to go out and because I mean there's a we're living in the golden age of wargaming, and there are so many beautiful models, and uh, I want to paint them all. Understood. Um, and one of the things I have to say, I have, I have, you know, as far as like, you know, I'm very much into the high fantasy, all those right. fantasy tropes and all that, and I love them. Well, here comes this this Trident Realms thing, and it's like, it doesn't click with anything that's ever grabbed me, but these figures are so gorgeous. Did you, I don't know if you saw it when we're done. I did. Tony Zamuda's army is really, it's like real bright and eye-catching yes. and jumps off the page. Yes. It's really great. Um, so for now, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sort of focusing on that triad, the, the elves, the orcs, and the goblins. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, don't know what direction. I'll know more after I've played those three where I go next. Yeah, and there's, like I said, there's so many armies. There are. And they're, they've hinted we got something new coming down the pipe. Don't know what it is. Uh, I mean, we've got Night, Night Stalkers came out just, just last week. So uh, they had the army for a long time, but the, the model range finally came right. out, and it's like a really robust range now. So what's next? I don't right. know. He said he said plastic, so there's new plastic models coming down the pipe, and I'm a big fan of plastic models, especially value, you know, like ones that are not overly... I mean, I don't mind spending money on quality products, but I don't want to feel like as I'm overpaying excessively because to get the privilege to buy it. Right, right, right. Um, I'm, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'll agree with that. I'm not going to mention any names. Well, you're talking yeah, about Games so, Workshop, right? N- well, I wasn't going to say. Okay, but, yeah. But, I, I mean, they, they make beautiful models, but I'm not paying $150 for one model. That's just ridiculous. Well, and to be honest, I am I mean, they have a very uh, distinct aesthetic to their ranges. And Absolutely. I have to be honest, I'm not a fan. I like understated for for you're talking combat troops in close combat. More details. Understate. Yeah, more details, more painting, functionality, things like that. I want them to look. Right. You know, less is more deadly. A British commando does not look like he's right. on an opera set. Exactly. Know? Exactly. So yeah. So what's the future hold for Baton Rouge? I mean, you got a small little couple guys playing. I don't know. Um, honestly, there's uh, there was. Uh, uh, there was some interest uh, when Kings of War came along, and it was from people who uh, what they go, they went with Ninth Age, right? Yeah, and then they gradually sort of disappeared. And and you know, I didn't want to tell them it was a dead end because I don't want to smother uh, someone. I'm a big fan of every. There's a game for everybody. And if there's you, a game for if everybody. you love it. If you love it, yeah, more power to you. Yeah, yeah, go I, go with it. I don't want to tell someone you're you're doing it wrong. Right. on their game. But I will tell you, this yeah. is why I'm doing. It right, I feel like our game. You know, I these are the positives. I agree with you, but I didn't know enough right. to, to right. be like a pathfinder. I, I didn't. I don't right. know enough. I don't know enough. Right. Um, but the interest is there. Um, it's. It, we need to get more games. We need to get more public games in yeah. that area. 
Um, and I'll tell you one right up the road here. Asgard Games in Houston, mm-hmm. they're interested. They are open. Um, just sort of need someone with some more muscle to push it. Absolutely. And, and well, that, have, that's what always need locally is, a, is, a, is yes. a person to go out there and champion the game. Yes, and they did have a, a special night to introduce um, uh, uh, Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that... Or Vanguard. Vanguard. I mean. mm-hmm. Vanguard. So, um, you know, it, it, it's open. I think the opportunities are out there. It's it's publicity. I think it's publicity and um, the armies being seen, the games being seen, played, right. that sort of thing. And I think that as the, the Mantic world gets fleshed out more uh, with lore and so on, and it shouldn't get so filled that there's no wiggle room. I don't think. Um, it's just my opinion. It, not specific to Mantic, but just generally. Um, but as that world gets fleshed out more and people see more of it, mm-hmm. I, I think it will grow. And I even think some of the ones that got salty and uh, it's not what I used to enjoy, not knocking what you used to enjoy, but this is going on and it's also very good. It scratches some of the same itches. It's not the same game. Um, so some of the things you liked about the old game, they're not here. But... I like ranks and flanks. Absolutely. I like big armies. I like being on the table and, and having a grand tactical engagement. And that's the, you know, deployment and movement in this game is is not everything, but it's a very significant portion of the game. Absolutely. That's what caught my eye coming from Ancients and not liking the existing Ancient system right. that we're being played. Right. <laughs> well, we're, when are we going to see you at a tournament? I should ask you, know, what, why are you interested in tournaments? I mean, there's a lot of folks... I used to play a lot of Ancients tournaments. Okay. And, and I was in the, in the half of the tournament that... Consistently, I was in the half that made the top half possible. Right. Okay? So I'll let oh, you. <laughs> so you were the bottom half. Yes, I so, was. But, but, but I, I have a thing that says we can't have tournaments if it's not like you and me. Because if we're not there, we're, we're, the, we're the big portion of the tournament, right? That, that pay the, basically keep the lights on and get people there. And so if we're not there, if, if, the, if the, the mid-level to those middle players aren't there, there's nothing for the big, the, the high end players yeah. to do. I mean, we well, we we make tournaments. And did you did you have a good time? Did you make new friends? Did you meet old friends? Absolutely. Things like that factor in. And and I'll tell you, I I don't see people. Kings of War, the games wrap up soon enough. You're still feeling good at the end of the game. Yeah, and they go quick. And, and and if they do get out of control, they usually go a lot faster, right? So you're not, it's not like beating a dead horse where you're just like feeling, okay, like in a board game that's, you're 30 minutes in, you're out, but yeah. you got to sit there for three more hours. I, I remember a tournament where I, I actually placed, <laughs> and um, leaving it, I, I had never felt so low at the end of a tournament. And I felt bad. I had a headache. I was angry. It was just no fun. And that's what I like about the system. You haven't gone in that direction. And and I think the clarity of the rules is underpinning for that. Absolutely. Well, final thoughts. When are we going to see you at a tournament? What's the next tournament for you? Or first tournament for you? Mm. There's a lot in Texas. I don't know if you... I think it's unlikely I'm going to get anything done in time for um, uh, Lone Wolf. Right, end of April. And they're almost full. No, Lone Wolf will not fill up. Mark out here who's running the U.S. Masters, he runs Lone Wolf. He will 
they can put 90. They, they, they will not fill up. If you can get it done, or if you just reach out and you need an army, let someone bring you an army. If you I might make Lone Wolf, man. Yeah, because Lone Wolf is, is not going to fill up. Um, because Mark's got room to expand. I mean, Mark is the, Lone Wolf is the biggest event in the country. Um, it's usually 70, 80 plus, but there's room for a little bit more. And uh, Well, that is one that, that's in fairly reasonable striking distance and one I very much want to go to, and there's time to, to make it, Yeah, would be Lady of the Lake. I want uh, to make it. Did you meet Chris Kapsner, who's here, who runs it? I've seen him. I recognize well, him. Well, do we have to go talk to him when we're down here? Go, go meet Chris. Yeah. Lady of the Lake sounds like a great place. You would probably enjoy it. It's uh, very uh, new player friendly. Um, supportive. It's family oriented. Uh, there's a lot of like unique things. Obviously, in Duluth, that's unique enough, right? Duluth is. is pretty far. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of um, families, wives that travel with their with their spouses or wives or husbands that go to the game, and uh, the the spouses are playing, and then their the significant other are doing other things. Right. Uh, because Chris's wife makes it very. Um, she makes sure that the people that were left behind in the tournament, right? People that are there, they have something to do. Oh, that's good. It's a great tournament, yeah. Uh, but uh, you also have Bayou Battles in Houston. That's another one? That's another one. It really gets down to, um, yeah, I can get some. Capital City Clash yeah. in Austin. You guys, Texas is like um, one of the hotbeds of Kings of War. It is. It really is. I just need to get my some, some minis painted. I'm stacking boxes of them, and I'm cleaning and assembling them. I need to get them painted. Just got to get them painted. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. Right before game six, we're with the, the Mr. Aiden Rogers. Hey, how's it going, man? Wonderful. Dimensional Cascade is in the house for those, those <laughs> longtime Warhammer fans. That is, that's, yeah, you're going back to old school, I guess. Yes, at point. absolutely. So give us a little bit of your origin story. I know we don't have a lot of time, but we've got some time. Oh, sure. All right. I'll try and keep it, uh, try and keep it brief. So I uh, started playing uh, like as a teenager in the late 80s, early 90s, I guess, uh, back in Ireland where I grew up. Uh, started with Advanced Hero Quest. I guess with a name like Aiden, I guess we should have known you were right. Yeah, I know. I'm the only person you know over the age of 25 that's called Aiden. Um, because everybody else is a kid. Like, there's all these kids called Aiden, but no adults. Anyway, so, um, yeah, I started with Hero Quest, and that kind of got me into miniatures and role-playing all at the same time. So I've just kind of gone back and forth between those two my whole life. Right. Um, got back into Warhammer, I think, uh, 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. I uh, picked up my Wood Elves again and uh, started playing them. Uh, started the Dimensional Cascade podcast. Uh, give a shout out. You had some co-hosts that were awesome. Yeah, Tom Tom and Ricky. Um, They're both playing Age of Sigmar these That's days. That's okay. So, hey, it's, hey, there's a game for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, then, uh, yeah, they. Uh, that, I really enjoyed doing that. I think we did like 20 episodes. Right. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, from there, uh, the Masters at the time was only five regions. Um, and so the whole West region... Went, was like, too huge. Was everything too west of the Mississippi was like one region. Yeah, so... Um, I well, yeah, lo- we had a Pacific Northwest and we had the Southeast. Yeah, that's right. I lobbied to get the Northwest added. And uh, Dan and I, Dan Miner, and I uh, did that. And then... Uh, yeah, from there, I qualified for 2014 and 2015 Masters, but uh, for various personal reasons, couldn't come. And, right. so this and that would have been back in Warhammer, right? 
That was back in Warhammer. Yeah. And then we tried to flip uh, the podcast and the whole community over to Kings of War. It's not. It's the choir taste, man. It, uh, it fractured pretty hard mm-hmm. in Northwest. So, and then um, I picked it up again this year. Um, started playing again uh, back at Wet Coast at Dan Miner's tournament in Vancouver, and uh, and then here I am, qualified and and came over. It's funny because we have had over the years people try it. They say it's not their game, and they go away. A lot of people come back. You know, it just depends on you know. Um, it's it's not Warhammer. I yeah. Get, I keep telling people that, and they say, well, it's just like no. There's we play with D sixes. We have ranks and flanks, but yeah. there's a lot. There's a more different than there's the same. For sure. I I uh, I, I think that um, really what it comes down to is uh, what's the community like and mm-hmm. how well is it supported? And I think in the Northwest there were no games that were well supported apart from 40k and uh, the Privateer Press stuff. Mm-hmm. Warm uh, boards and all that. Yeah, like mm-hmm. for for the last couple of years. Right. And so now in terms of fantasy stuff, uh, Kings of War is 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 making some headway. Mm-hmm. Age of Sigmar is making some yep. headway. Uh, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Um, they scratch different itches. They do. They do. But I'm very much a, a ranks and flanks kind of guy, so yeah. uh, I, I like uh, caring about which way things are looking. And right. And well, I mean, I think the Age of Sigmar thing. I think Games Workshop in general still is a list building game, so it's important yeah. to build a list that catches your opponent out, and that's part of the game. And yeah. if and you like that, then that's that's, that's your game. Not going to necessarily be that in Kings of War. I mean, we can make good lists, yeah. but a bad list run by a perfect player or a good player can beat a, a great list that oh, you pull sure. off the internet. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I feel like possibly. I mean, it's not entirely this way, but almost you can take anything you want, and it's well enough balanced across most of the armies that uh, it's going to give you a right. competitive game, and that is not true for any other game. Right, and I think as things, uh, get, if if we see a ba- an imbalance, dot deployment is one of those examples, which yep. some people love, some people hate. That was the, the the South solution to hey, there's a bad matchup here. There's one more strategic element you could add to the game that will allow their players to say, oh, I'm playing against a gun line. I'm going to put hills here yeah. strategically to block the line of sight. And some people love it. Some people had it. But it's it's a response. The community is, is always trying to make sure that the game is balanced, yeah. even from a matchup perspective. Yeah, I, I hear you. And I, um, I'm in two minds about it at the yeah. moment. Because uh, so I've played five games now. I would say with... With only one exception, uh, all four of my games had a great big line of terrain yes, right in the center. Absolutely, I think it ends up with wonky-looking tables. Yeah, a little less thematic, a little less narrative. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I can appreciate the high-end players on table one. I, they, what they're doing with yeah, their terrain. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm really here just competing on the hobby side. I put a lot of uh, hours into the wood elves uh, and added some high elves to bring them into a, an elf list. Yeah. But I've literally got miniatures I bought 30 years ago in that army, right up to stuff I bought uh, specifically just to put in this. What's list. in your list? You gonna so, play yeah. elves? Yeah, I've been playing elves. Uh, I got a, a horde of archers with the uh, almost stuck on ha- uh, chant uh, that uh, gives them piercing. Everybody seems to take that. It's yeah. Yeah, I got it's, a horde. It's auto include. Mm-hmm. It is. I got a horde of sea guard. Um, um, I got um, a tree herder with the banner of the griffin. I got a horde of shamblers and two regiments to go with it. And then I got a forest warden. Got a couple of ASBs, one with the loot mm-hmm. on foot. Uh, one with the loot on horseback, sorry. One with the diadem on foot. And uh, then I got two regiments of storm and calf. Uh, one's running the uh, pathfinder potion. And a horde of dragon riders to round it all out. So, so if you're talking to a new player, thinking about Kings of War, why yeah. would a new player, why should they try Kings of War? Why should they try Kings of War? Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's a, a very straightforward rule set that is easy to get your head around. Um, that the movement is, uh, 
is a, a critical part of the game, but is not um, is not difficult to understand what is critical, right? Um, so uh, you know, you know that your flanks are weak points. You know that logically that makes sense, is right? A weak point, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you can then you know you might play a game and, and then open up a flank as a beginner, right? Uh, but you're going to get smacked on that flank, and then you're going to go, oh, that's what. Uh, you know, I moved too far forward. I'm right. not going to do that again. You know, and so I feel like the learning curve is is actually pretty short. Um, it's not a steep learning curve, and um, because you can, uh, there are tons of armies that that I look at and I go, I've never seen this unit before on the field, or this one, or this one, or even read its description. Mm-hmm. But all I need to do is look at the special rules and look at the stat line and go, okay, I understand this. And the single most important thing for me, um, beyond anything, is you can look at a model and have a pretty good idea how devastating that model's gonna be. Right. Uh, so, or that, our unit, I should say. Right. So, um, you know, things that are big and scary are big and scary. Mm-hmm. Things that are little uh, are usually not that big. They might be annoying. Right. But they're, you know, it's not like uh, uh, some other games where you have one tiny 25 millimeter base. Warhammer vampire dude yeah, that can yeah. take your whole army out. Yeah, take your whole army out, exactly. So for me, it's, it's the lack of gotcha that makes this a better game. Well, yeah, it's not a gotcha game, which I appreciate. To me, if you think about chess, right, chess is... Uh, not a gotcha. It's a pure strategy game, right? It's a war game. Uh, if you it, think, is, it is. It a is a war game, right? If you think about how chess might evol- have evolved into a war game and the, and the games that we have right now, I feel like Kings of War, more than any other game I've ever played, uh, gives me that same feeling of, of chess in that it's right. very strategic, but you get the tides of battle from the rolling the dice, which I really, right. really enjoy. Right. You know, so... Uh, that's the reason why I would encourage beginners to play. The other thing I, I pushed, it, it's a hobby game, too, because uh, the diorama bases that you can do. Oh, like, I used yeah. to play Warhammer just like you, and I used to have to cut my barrels up so they would fit in the unit of the guys and yeah. pull out. Um, that was that was fun, but it's a hell of a lot easier to just build a freaking you know, two-foot mountain in my base yeah. and have guys crawling on it. Exactly. And you know, that's that's what I did for this army. I, I, I sat down, I made like nine or ten bases, just got them all the right size, created a themed set of bases and uh, um, then transferred everything onto it in, in multi-base. Right. And uh, I, I'm really happy with how it turned out. Setup is so easy. Yeah. Cleanup is so easy. Yep. Moving from game to game, it's like you got 12, 15 units, put them on a... Bah, 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 bah. Pivots are so easy. Pivots are easy. A pivot, yeah. Look, the difference between a wheel and a pivot is yeah. night and day. Night and day. Absolutely night and day. So... Uh, Brief dip back into Warhammer. The thing I loved most about playing Skaven was the Hellpit Abomination because it could pivot. You know, anything with random movement that could pivot. Yep. Pivots are are tactically a lot easier to handle, and also uh, brain-wise, a lot easier to handle. Yeah, trying to figure out how far did I wheel. I don't yeah, know. you know, how many arguments do we have about wheels in the in the past, right? So, um, I feel like you know I've gone through five games at the top level of the uh, of the game, and uh, I think I maybe had five minutes of disagreement. Right. And that and most of the time games. the disagreement is um, I think this is a front charge yeah. and this is a, is it a flank and there's a Is it a front or a flank? It's a front or a flank cuz most of the not, not normally rules questions are more just um, uh, how do you see it, this line state, of sight? It's you, state questions. Exactly. Exactly. Like what's the state of the game right now? Am I in range? Am I not in range? Do I hit your flank, your front, right. your rear? Where am I at? And if you're playing clean, it usually you know, it figures yourself out. I am intending to be yep. 18 and a half inches away from you. Yep. You're in agreement that you can't charge me, yep. et cetera, et cetera. Most of the time, it's very easy. Where are you sitting in points and uh, record right now? You're so, five games down. Yeah, five games down. I got, uh, I'm... 
pretty much uh, I'm in line for the counter charger award, man. Right in the middle I, of the pack. I got uh, I got two wins, two losses, and a tie. That's amazing. And I got uh, uh, my last game was was frustrating. I, I I played against Mike Rossi, great guy. You beat him, right? No, he beat me. No, come on, Mike. So, so uh, as he described it, basically, if you think about the dice rolling bell curve, he was on the positive side of that bell curve, and I was on the negative okay. side the whole game. And we got to turn six. And I, I had squeaked out. I had two, two of the three loot counters. Right. And he rolled turn seven. And, and then that, that's it. That was the well, that, and, so and, and that's something that we point. should probably mention is turn, a variable turn length is a very huge part of King's War. Huge. Because if you don't know in, in, yeah, yeah. in Warhammer, so, you'd be like, yeah, turn six. I'm playing turn for turn six, six and it's over. It's over. But 50-50 shot of winning and turn, or, or whether there's a turn seven. And, and uh, I, all of the stories I've heard from here has been like, this game was decided in turn seven. Went from a, a huge win to me to a huge win to my opponent. Absolutely. Happens a lot. And that's great. I love that. You know, that's how it should be. Because uh, if you know when the game is going to end, uh, you just don't have that same sort of... Uh, your risk profile is very different. Right, right. So, right. And the players seem to be pretty agreeable. They're, I yeah. mean, we got a lot of... And there's a, there's a lot a lot of back and forth in this game. It's like, I'm within range, I'm not within range. I'm in this flank, front, whatever. Um, most of it is by gentleman's agreement, right? You get mm -hmm. there, and it's like, yes, I am, no, I'm not. There's no arguments at that point. You've already very, made an agreement. Very few. And it's just like, can this be done? And that's, that's where it becomes a lot of questions. Um, because yeah, sometimes you will get a weird situation that you've never seen before. Tall hills are the bane of of uh, gaming, in my experience right. today. I, like we've had three inch tall hills, and when you've got a three inch tall hill and you've got a unit on the top at a funny angle, uh, what looks like a very clear charge from one side of the table right. is very clearly not a charge from, from the, the other side, side of the table. table. Yeah, um, and it can be even difficult with the height. To figure things out, so that's my only frustration on the scenery side. Everything else, uh, you know, has been absolutely awesome. I so, when are you guys going to do differently when you host it next year? Oh man, that's not my decision. Okay. So I am very You're just going to play. Uh, well, if I qualify, you know, you got to go some tournaments though. Yeah, I got to go some tournaments, and uh, I don't know if I will. Um, it's not that I don't want to. It's just uh, you know, I got three kids in three different schools, and a, mm -hmm. a wife is not well, so busy. Uh, yeah, this might be uh, this might be my last tournament for a while, so. Well, we wish you the best. Yeah, thanks, and I'm, I'm happy to end on a high note. Absolutely. Great. Good luck in the sixth round. I'm playing uh, Robert Brandon. Um, it's an elf off. Yeah, Robert Brandon. Uh, so. You'll enjoy Robert. Robert's a good guy. All right. Hey, well, look, thanks nice for having to me on you. the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.